0: Hey, welcome to Pastor Ryan. Thanks for checking this station out. This is your weekly podcast where we post on Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays, we walk through a passage or a chapter of the Bible. We pull the truths of God out so we can apply it to our lives. Thursday is this day in history, 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 uh, where we check out big events, births, deaths that impact the world around us. Hey, don't forget to check back often each week. Like, share, subscribe, love God, love people, make disciples. If you join us on, well, wait, whoa, Stacy, I forgot. God is good. Amen. God is faithful. Amen. And He's a purpose for all people. Amen. That's why we're here this morning. If you join us online or you come Sunday evenings, you'll know that we walk, we are walking through 1 Samuel. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. That's where we're going to continue. Uh, if you come back tonight, we'll be back in the book of 1 Samuel. But I want to kind of walk through this. If you were to walk through chapters 1 all the way to chapter 7 you'll know that there is a man named Samuel who has been raised up by God to lead God's people. Uh, and so here in chapter 8 we see some things. He's growing older. Uh, but this, this chapter, really the entire narrative of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel almost parallels exactly the things that we are going through here in our life today. Uh, but chapter 8 is no different. And we're going to read... We're going to walk through the entire chapter, but we're going to read it first, and then we're going to kind of break it down uh, into that. So let's start in chapter 8, verse 1, and it says this. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. They were, they were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside uh, after, again, after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. We're in verse 4 now. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when he said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds they have done, from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods so they are now doing to you now then obey their voice only you shall solemnly warn them to show or and show them the ways of the king who will reign over them so samuel told them all the words of the lord to the people who were asking for a king from him and he said this these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you he will take your sons and appoint them to be his chariots or to be his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to plow his ground and to reap the harvest, and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants." He will take your male servants, your female servants, and the best of your young men, your donkeys, and put them to work. He will take a tenth of your flocks, and and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that we can carry around your word in our pockets. God, it is my prayer that we read it. We heed it and we apply it to our lives. So that when we go back to our families, when we go back to our workplaces, when we go to the things of the world and the places that we go, that we can share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because it is in Him is the only hope that we could ever have in this life. And it's His name that we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to walk through this. There are three natural breaks in this chapter. You can look at it. There's three headings. Uh, the first heading is Israel demands a king, the second is the warning, and the last heading is that the Lord grants Israel's request. As we're walking through this, some things are probably popping out at you. They're rejecting God. They want a king. Uh, But I'm often reminded of, as I'm reading through this entire book, but this chapter specifically, Romans chapter 12. Turn there with me if you want to, or you can write it down in your notes. If you're not taking notes, it would be a really good thing to take notes uh, because you only remember about nothing when you just listen. But you remember about 70% of the things you listen to if you take notes. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, of the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind by testing uh, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is His good and acceptable and perfect. Alistair Begg writes of this section, Paul is writing this because he understood the pressure the church was going through in the first century. And they were trying to accommodate themselves to the lifestyle of the surrounding culture. There are moments in our lives where we do the same thing. We're going to read uh, through this. The people of God, the, the Israelites, the, God, the chosen people of God are doing some of the very same things we do today. And yet the question is, will we heed the warning that they received? Will we heed it in our lifetime as well? So let's look at this, verse 1-8. through 8. If you were to go to this, the first thing you see, the first four words, when Samuel became old, then verse 5, they come down, behold, you are what? Old. (laughs) The natural progression of life is we do what? We grow old. (laughs) We grow old. It's a natural part of life. Everybody say, "Yay." yay. Yay. We could spend all day talking about the joys of growing old and the pains and the weirdness that happens every day that you wake up after you turn 40 and beyond. It just things are different, Right. Uh, but we don't want to do that because it would, it would be depressing. But the fact is we all grow old. The other fact is that just because you're old doesn't mean you're done. I want, you, I, want you to hear, I want you to hear that if you're older than me. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're done. God still uses older people, right? Samuel is old here. There's been many years from chapter 7 to chapter 8. A lot of years have passed, uh, but he makes some decisions. As we get older, we want to have successors. We want to make sure our families taken care of. We want to make sure the people that we're leading are taken care of, right? Does that make sense? It makes sense. But Samuel does this, but he picks his sons. This is a, a mirror image of Eli and his sons earlier on in chapters 3 and 4. Eli's sons, they perverted the house of God. They did wrong things. Samuel's sons were about 50 miles away from where Samuel was. He had really had no oversight over them. and so, But they were perverting justice. They were taking bribes. The Bible, all throughout the Old Testament, speaks really specific about taking bribes. Uh, Deuteronomy 16, 19 says this, "...you shall not pervert justice." You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. We know the word of God. We have the word of God. I mentioned in my prayer, we carry this around all day in a pocket-sized version in our back pocket. And yet, will we heed the words of God? It says in verse 5, And they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Samuel was the mouthpiece of God. His sons grew up under him. I think it was one of our students that said that my faith has to be my faith. It cannot be in my parents' faith. It cannot be my grandparents' faith. If you are here because your family has always gone here, I want to challenge you this morning. Are you here because of your faith or are you here because of your parents' faith? Or are you here because of your grandparents' faith? Are you here just because somebody bought something for the church one day and you decided it was going to be a good idea just to come and sit and watch that thing be where it's at? Your faith has to be your faith. Samuel was the mouthpiece of God. His sons and are now walking away from the ways of God. Look at verse 6. The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. How often do we, are we displeased just in our daily life? Think about your commute to work. How many times do you get displeased just on your way to work? Or displeased if your spouse wakes up and gives you that weird look, and you're like, What? And everything goes downhill from there. Or when are you displeased when the check that you were supposed to get isn't the amount that you were supposed to get it? There's a lot of times that we're displeased and we often hold a grudge. We often write their name on a list and say, they're off the Christmas list. But Samuel gives us the example and he goes to the Lord and he prays to the Lord. This is our example today. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said, obey the voice of the people. In all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me as their king. We, in the 21st century, could read this and say, they are crazy. They're crazy. Well, why do we know this? Well, from Egypt all the way to here, God had been faithful to them. God had been leading them. They said they want a king to fight their battles. He was literally defeating Pharaoh's army. He literally defeated the Philistines in the chapter before in chapter 7. He was doing everything they wanted them to do. And yet now God says to Samuel, Hey, it's not about you, but it's about me. And they are rejecting me. The crazy thing about this, 300 years earlier, God said this was going to happen. 300 years earlier, God told them the exact same thing that's happening here in chapter 8. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 17 because I really need you to see this. This is amazing. And it it will help us kind of think about how to apply these things today to our lives. We have the Word of God. We carry it around. We asked the students this weekend, how many Bibles do you think you have in your house? Right? There's a lot in our homes, right? But every phone in this room probably has a Bible app on it. Right? The question is, are you listening to it? Are you following it? Are you reading it? Right? You have to apply the things of God, or you're going to walk away from the things of God. God spoke to His people audibly through Moses. And this is what He says in Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse 14. He said when you come to the land your Lord as God has given you. This is the promised land. This is where they are. And you possess it and dwell in it. And then say I will set a king over me. Like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you. Whom the Lord of your God will choose One from among your brothers you shall set as a king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself. Or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself. Lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And it goes on and says that he's going to be under the authority of God. Go back to our main text. God had literally warned his people of the day in chapter 8 that's going to happen. We have the word of God in our hands. He outlines it for the people audibly in the Old Testament. We carry it around on pieces of paper in nice leather binding. And the question is will we listen? Will we heed the word of God? Or will we just put it on a shelf? Monday through Saturday and then kind of dust it off when you get on Sunday so you can show everybody you got a nice big fat Bible. The people of God walked with God. He led them by a cloud and by fire. He gave them manna. He gave them water. And yet now they're saying we don't want you anymore. We want a king. But this is a mirror image of the rejection of Jesus as well. Turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, they not only reject God, but in the New Testament, they reject God visibly in Jesus. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 13, says this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. Whom God raised from the dead. Today or to this we are witnesses. As we look around the world today. We can see the exact same rejection all around us. You can turn on the news and see it. Whether it's Roe versus Wade. We celebrate the birth or the death of babies that aren't even born yet. Millions upon millions upon millions of infants who are innocent have been killed and it's in our law. We celebrate same-sex marriage. God has warned all throughout Scripture It's my way or death. It's my way or bondage. It's my way or slavery. And yet we reject him every single day. We say my faith and my hope are going to be in the who's the next president over what God's word has to say. We get so riled up about politics. You could say anything online and somebody's going to find it offensive. Because I'd much rather be shouting for who's Republican or who's Democrat than shouting for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. He has warned his people in Deuteronomy 300 years before they get to chapter 8. And guess what? They ignore it and they do it anyway. He said, he's going to lord over you and you're you're not supposed to go back to Egypt. But he's going to lord over you and you're going to be his slaves. And yet they say, we want a king. Paul warns Timothy... A church planner, a young preacher. In Second Timothy 4, he says this: For there is a time when people want to uh, in, will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. He's talking about false teachers, but we can apply this today. There's coming a day. Today is the day when people will ignore the things of God and walk the way that they think they should go. In the end, it leads to death and destruction. And we celebrate it in our laws. We celebrate it in our leadership of our country. Go back to our text. So they come to Samuel. They say, Samuel, you're just old. Your sons don't listen to you. And so now we want a king for ourselves. We don't want God anymore. So Samuel goes to God and says, Can you hear these people? He says they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me. Look at verse 9. So now obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who will reign over them. These three words, solemnly warn them, it's a legal term and it applies the giving someone the full knowledge of an action. He's saying, what you're asking for, here is what's going to happen. And he lays it out there. Look at verse 11. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons. He will take all of it, everything. He will have chariots and horsemen, and he'll have runners before his chariots. This is like a sign of status. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. Where are these people coming from? Well, it's coming from them. And the king's going to take all of it. Verse 13, he will take your daughters, be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He's got to have people to support all this army and this military might. But he will take your fields, your vineyards, your olive orchards, and he will give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. Again, verse 16, he will take your male servants, your female servants, and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. And he will take a tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. Or, in other words, you will be back in Egypt. Remember the people of God? They were wandering in the wilderness. And God was giving them everything they would ever need, and they began to complain. They said, It was way better when we were slaves. God was physically with them in the wilderness, and they complained. God is with them all throughout this book of 1 Samuel. He defeats the Philistines and they say we don't want him anymore. Eli's daughter-in-law has a baby when Eli and the two sons die. You have to go back and look at chapter 3 and 4. But her baby is named Ichabod which means the presence of the Lord has departed. This nation, the people of God, God, the people whom God chose... They walk with God. They're close with Him. They repent and they love God. And then the next day they're worshiping a golden calf. Or they're complaining and grumbling. They don't listen to the Word of God. There's a way that seems right in the sight of man. But in the end it leads to destruction. God's ways are true. God's ways are sure. (laughs) Will we heed the warning this morning? God had brought them out of slavery. He had been faithful to his people from Abraham all the way through. And all these nations, they have false gods. You, you, you see their, their comment, we want a king like all the other nations. They want to look just like the other nations around They no longer want to be a sovereign group of people under one God. Now they want to be like the other nations who serve other gods, who do all kinds of pagan practices and do everything they can. But it's displeasing to the Lord. And they say, we want that. The issue is sin looks good. We like it. We like the way it feels. But it separates us from God. Sin puts us back in Egypt. It puts us into slavery and bondage to destruction and death. God's ways are sure and true and good. And he is faithful. I want you to turn to Second Peter chapter 3. I don't know why I wrote this. I wrote, the truth is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. God was leading his people. He said, these are the ways that you should go. Follow these ways. And yet they ignore it over and over and over again. We'll see the next king. His name is Saul. He starts out well. He's taller. He's good looking. He's strong. He's a strapping young man. He starts out pretty good. But the warning here in, verse, in chapter eight is the same thing Saul starts to fall into, and he starts to do things his own way, and he starts to rule over the people in, a, in the wrong way, the way that God wouldn't want someone to lead over them. But this is what they asked for. God is good, Amen. God is faithful." Amen. And in 2 Peter chapter three, it says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that anyone should perish." but that all reach repentance. The warning for us this morning is that there is a time when God will allow you to make dumb decisions. But there's also coming a time when God says, today is the day. And there is judgment and there is wrath that will come to people who don't listen and don't heed the word of God. Jesus is the only way. He's the only truth and he's the only life. Does Jesus promise you a million dollars? Does Jesus promise you a better marriage? Does he promise you a bigger house? Does he promise you everything you've ever wanted? No, but he promises you eternal life with him forever, which is way better than anything this earth can ever give you. Well, I got my stimulus check. I don't know why I said that. It's going to go away. You're going to spend it. It's going to fade away. God's word doesn't fade away. The warnings don't go away just because you don't like it. He gives the people his word. The people want a king. Samuel gives them the warning. I want you to listen to the words of Paul in Romans. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Therefore, this is a dramatic pause. Therefore, because they walked and rejected uh, God, they walked away from Him. He gave them up to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped uh, and, and served the creator, uh, the creature rather than the creator. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. God is faithful. God will forgive everyone who places their faith and hope in Jesus. But there's coming a day when the wrath of God will be revealed to all those who walk away from God. And in the end, it leads to destruction. The country that we live in, the country that I serve, is moving farther and farther away from God. But we're comfortable in here. We can see the things happening on the news. We can see the things happening in the society that we live in, and yet we we're comfortable. God has given us the warning. He gave his people the warning. They didn't heed it. And now look at the last the chapter eight. Verse nineteen. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, there shall be a king for us, or over us, that we will also be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us, and go out before us and fight our battles. They're out of their minds. We can sit back and look and be like, what are they thinking? It's the same way for us today. We hear the words of God on Sunday morning, but Monday morning, and back to my normal life. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I'm going to go the way that I want to go. And we ignore the words of God Monday through Saturday. What are they thinking? Well, they're not. They're thinking the world will give me what I want. Okay, so here's a list. I'm going to place my hope in the president. He will fail you. He's not going to do everything you want him to do. He's not going to say everything you want him to say. He's not going to act the way you want him to act. Well, I'm going to place my hope and faith in my retirement plan because I put a lot of work into that. can't take it with you when you go. (laughs) I got it. I'm going to place my faith and hope in my spouse. They're not going to give you the satisfaction that you're looking for. I'm going to double around. I'm going to circle back. Place my faith and hope in the stimulus checks that come. Eventually they're going to stop. And you're going to spend it on something that you're not even going to remember ten years from now. The only hope that we have in this life is Jesus. His sinless life, his work on the cross is the only hope that we have in this life. Place your faith and hope in Christ alone. The question that we end with is this. Who is your king? You will either say that Jesus is king or you will say and you'll walk away today and say, I want to do this life on my own. Today is the day to make your decision and stop pretending to be something that you're not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word your word that guides us, your word that encourages us, your word that warns us. God, I pray that we heed the calling of Jesus, that it's in him and him alone that we can have hope, and our faith should be in him and not the things of this world. And it's his name that we pray, amen. Amen.